0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Our lesson starts on um, unity and what we're going to be studying on is unity. So We've heard the, the little old saying, people's just people, so it doesn't matter what you belong to, what you are, any area. People's just gonna be people. So uh, some's gonna get fuzzed up and some's gonna be easy to get along with and, and some's gonna get crossed real easy. So people's just gonna be people. You come to church, you go to church, it doesn't matter if you say you're apostolic, you're still dealing with people. So, uh, but the thing of it is, what really and truly should make us difference is God has given us the Holy Ghost, given us of His Spirit, and where those of us that are moody and have attitudes, we should be able to temper that with the Holy Ghost and if not, if I'm still been in the church a long, long time and still letting the flesh rule me, something's wrong. I'm, not, I'm leaning too much to the flesh and not of the spirit. But as far as unity, you know, people, there is gonna be, people's gonna come in, everybody's gonna have views and ideas. But when it comes to our doctrine, what the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, that we're not gonna change. Period. That is set in stone. That's wrote. But of the different people and cultures and stuff like that, you know, it's been said for years, you know, the method may change a little bit. But our message, it cannot change. It has got to stay consistent, it's got to stay the same. So, but as far as unity, we truly need it. We need to stay the same because. It's, it's just as we was just, Brother Gibson was just speaking of children. I mean, children need a home that is consistent. If it's not stable and if it's not on the same plane all the time, and we need a church that someone can come to that teaches and preaches the same thing all the time. It's not that they can come to uh, one time and then come back months later and well, you preached against this then, but now you condone it. No, we need something that is consistent. We stay the same on. We don't change, and regardless, you know, we. Um, since I've been coming to church here, you know, you know, when I first started coming to church here, you know, it was just like, could you consist of people holding their iPhone and their tablets reading the Bible? No, methods is going to change. Methods is, it's just like it's here and it's not going away. We must learn how to deal with it. That's okay, that's okay. But the thing of it is, as long as our message stays the same and we stay unified in our message, so it doesn't matter what the world does, it doesn't matter how much technology grows, how advanced we get at everything, that's really beyond the point the point is is that we stay the same in our doctrine we stay the same in unity we want to stay the same um, a couple verses i want to read to you first before we actually start the lesson that i just i want to read matthew in matthew 11 you can just follow on the screen if you want to matthew eleven four. 4 it starts with isaac first He's the one that first says, where is the lamb? And in response to that, his father Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. And then John, beholding Jesus said, behold the lamb. So now John the Baptist is put in prison and as humanity does, when you're slammed against the wall and you are confined to a certain area, He sends two of his guys, or some of his guys, he says, You go ask Jesus. Is he the one, or should we look for another? And what God, this is what jumped out to me. And then he says, And Jesus answered unto them and said, Go and show John again. That just says a world to me. This is John the Baptist the one that just had a mouth on him like nobody else and God in his mercy when John was just saying did I make a mistake is he really the one I'm not doing all this in vain and Jesus in his compassion just said go show John again go to him again and you just tell him in verse 5 he says you go tell him what all's happening what all he has seen what all is being done you go tell him and then in verse 6 he said and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me now prophets had come before and they had performed miracles but never had nobody performed so many as Jesus And Jesus was performing them in the name of God, but Jesus was performing them in his own name, in the name of Jesus. So, and then the Jews was like saying, we believe in God, but this man is performing them in his own name. And not only that, he is taking credit for it. So Jesus is telling, you tell John, blessed is he that is not offended in me. So how do we recognize somebody that is not with us in in their body? You recognize them by their name. So it was what we would say is blessed is he that is not offended in my name. So he was saying that there's a lot going on. There's going to be people that's going to be offended because I have done all of this. And not only have I done all of this, they're offended because I did it in my name. So don't be offended in that. So, but what I loved about it, in Jesus keeping unity with John, he says, you go tell John again. Go reassure John again. You just go let him know again. And the other verse, speaking of unity, that I wanna read is John ten sixteen. Jesus is speaking. He is speaking to Jews, and I've heard people take this Verse and go all over the map with it. He is speaking to Jews. And he said, another sheep I have, which are not of this foal, them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one foal and one shepherd. So he is speaking to Jews. And he says, what you don't realize is you think you're the only chosen people but I got a group of Gentiles and they are gonna hear my voice and there's gonna be one fold and one shepherd. I'm not changing no doctrine. The doctrine's gonna be the same. They are gonna hear my voice and when I speak to them, they are gonna hear me. It's not gonna be you, the only Jews that was taught that, that I just came for you. My bloodline came through the Jews. But there's going to be one shepherd and one foal and he is speaking to them and he tells them, he said, because they going to hear me when I call. So unity, unity is what we want to speak about. Now here the Bible says in Peter, Acts 10 and 34 is where we'll read. This jumps out in the middle of a story and we'll explain some of it as we go along. Acts 10:34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted in him. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now same thing, Acts 10, let's jump to 44 While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which has received the Holy Ghost, as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and they prayed, then they prayed him to tarry certain days. Now, they took and they said, okay, we heard him speak and they which are the circumcision, the Jews that came with Peter. So the story starts before this in Acts 10 and Peter's on a rooftop. And what I get out of this is funny how the Lord works. Peter's on this rooftop and before this this verse is happening, it's about 12 o'clock, the Bible tells us, and Peter's waiting to get something ready to eat. The Bible says it was about this time. And so Peter goes up on the rooftop to pray and the Bible says he was hungry. So what does the Lord use? The Lord uses food because he was hungry, so he goes up, and he sees this, uh, this sheet being lowered, the Bible says it was knit at the four corners, being lowered down, and a voice spoke to him saying, get up, Peter, kill, and eat, but him being a good Jew tells that voice, he says, I have have never eaten anything um, impure or unclean, but this vision was repeated three times to Peter. The Lord had to do it three times. The Lord's telling him. Look, and to me, you know, he's taking this sheet, the Bible says, or the Bible even calls it a vessel, but it says it was a sheet knit at the four corners. To me, that's just, to me, that's just the way I would look at it. It's just God's got his hand on the four corners of the earth. He lets it down. All the, uh, the creatures are in there. God's got everybody in this. And he tells him, in the vision, he's telling him, kill and eat. And Peter says, me? Oh, no, no. I being a good Jew, I'm not going to eat nothing unclean. And God said, what I have cleansed, don't call unclean. And then he, Peter does not get it. So he does it again, and then he does it again. And then, so he he's doing this. And on the rooftop, he sees that three men... That's awkward too to me. Three men has been sent to his doorstep, and this just all of a sudden, these three men are from are, are Gentiles, and they're sent all of a sudden. He's he's being challenged of his own cultural um, segregation, so to speak. So God helped Peter to understand that the Holy Ghost was a gift to all people. For this is after Pentecost, not before, but after Pentecost. So, no one was be, to be excluded from the promise. So, but, Peter said, the promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call, is what Peter said in Acts two thirty nine. Little did he know the far reaching implications because you know that the three men could say, wait a minute, aren't you the same man that just quoted that verse? And it's to everyone, it's to all those Promise to you and to your children, all that are far off. And now you're telling me a good Jew would not be seen with Gentiles? What's the matter with you? You say one thing, but you want to do another. And to me, we have to be careful in the heat of the moment when God anoints us, if you're not willing to go, don't, don't tell God you'll go. Like Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Because God's gonna gonna send you or God's gonna make a way. And don't use that as a negative. Use that as a positive because if God is anointing us, if he is telling us again and again, there's a reason for it. So here is Peter. He tells us this promise is to everyone. But Peter hadn't quite got it. And Peter is the one that we quote. And the men is there saying, you need to go with us. And he says, wait a minute. I can't even be seen in your company. Wait a minute. We can quote you saying the promise is unto everyone and now you tell us you can't even be seen in our company? What's wrong with this picture? You hadn't quite got it yet and you're the one that we quote. But God's dealing with him. God's dealing with Peter. That's why he did it three times. Don't call it unclean what I have cleansed. So Peter hadn't quite got it yet. And that's when we go to the verse that I read, you know, when he tells them that that God has did it. So now, but what Peter didn't really realize is God was gonna use him to bring this message to the Gentiles. And he's saying, you know, the old boy here can't be seen with y'all because I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile. And God's saying, if you, just knew, <laughs> if you just knew that you're gonna be the one to take this message, and he almost had it at that point, but he didn't quite have it. But Peter stood up on Pentecost, and God so anointed him that he is just laying it out there. It's for everybody. Nobody is to be excluded. But yet he's, in the heat of the battle, he's telling everybody, this is for everybody. This is for everybody but God's still working with him. God hadn't give up. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. God hadn't give up. So he arrived at the house of Cornelius. Peter preached the resurrection from the dead. All who assembled as he spoke, the Holy Ghost fell on them, just as it had the the believers at the first, um, first on the day of Pentecost. Other Jews came with Peter for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The other Jews that came and said, look, you know, wait a minute. <laughs> they're getting the Holy Ghost just like we got it. Maybe this, maybe this is for everybody. You know, they're starting to think, you know, maybe there is something to this. Nobody could deny the right of baptism. Wait a minute, they spoke with tongues. We need to baptize these Gentiles. God has given them the Holy Ghost just as well as he gave us the Holy Ghost, unity. And it seems like the matter of Gentiles being included in the kingdom of God would be welcome in the church and that would settle it, but it did not. It did not settle it there. But they was on their way. Just the prejudice was there. It's just difficult at that time to overcome others wanted to see the gentiles embrace jewish cultural traditions and they just said you know it was just like and and you know it's easy for us on this side to throw rocks at them but there was just jews that said god came for us and us only and the gentiles is hanging out the window looking in but god said no no i have other sheep not other goats i got other sheep not of this foal not of the jews which they're going to hear my voice that when i speak they're going to hear me and they're going to be one foal and one shepherd they're going to be long-standing religious practices and legal institutions from the Torah, was much part and still is of the jewish life even today Paul was well-versed in this, and Jewish traditions, and he began to see numerous conversions throughout Asia Minor. He did not ask them to become Jews. He merely asked them to become followers of Jesus, which is, to me, that's the way it should have been. But the first church conference that was held in Jerusalem was to address these intercultural challenges that there was Acts 15, 5 says, but there arose certain sects of the Pharisees which believed, saying, it was needful to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. There was still those that was saying, look, you need to keep the law. You need to keep all the rituals that we keep, but God wasn't doing that. He was saying to these believers, salvation to the Gentiles was required in following and keeping many of the commandments contained on the other hand peter made the case for the unification of the entire body of christ noting that when he preached the gospel to the gentiles god gave them the holy ghost just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith he did that acts 15 and 20 but we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols, from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Noticeably, what was missing was the requirement to follow the law of Moses or observe the rite of circumcision. The new covenant was based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the atonement of his blood, the giving of ourselves to him, the sacrifice of our God, the giving of Jesus Christ, the first step in bringing greater unity among believers is recognizing our biases and cultural differences. It's just it's just very common for us to feel those who come in the church should immediately think, act, and feel like us. And I guess in a way, sometimes it it does, you know, but we we are not the benchmark of what Christians should be. The Bible always has got to be our benchmark. It's always because, People's just gonna be different. Everyone's gonna be different, you know, and I don't never, ever, um, I guess in a humorous way, I put it like this. There's enough Kenneth Raley's in this church with just me, and we don't need no more. So I would let the Bible be the judge of what uh, a child of God should be, and I would be so pharisaical to try to go to someone and to say, you know, this is what I think. Not giving them Bible, but this is what I think you should be. I should never do that. I should never, ever do that. Um, no. We all have our own preferences, you know, what we think we should do, and that's gonna differ. I have joked about music, but we all gonna differ from music. Um, it's just from the cars we drive, the hobbies we do, the sports, We're just different people. That's why I said we can. We can do that. We can be different. But I'm not gonna change on the doctrine. It's just we can't do that. We've gotta be unified. We've gotta have this. We've gotta know what we believe. And that's why um, we've been preached to for so long. We must know what we believe. You know, there's one God and, and the reason for it because really and truly that is our safety net. When the enemy comes and tries to entice us and tries to deceive us, when we have the truth of God's word hidden in our heart, uh, and it's not about who you like or who you don't like or whatever, when we have the truth of God's word hidden in our heart, that is our safety net from being deceived because we know God's word. And that's why it's quoted so many times. That's why David said, I've I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because we need it. we got to have it. Got to have it. And just the rivalry of uh, superiority is ingrained in our culture. From just sports teams, the model of vehicles, to the brand of clothes we wear. It's just every day. Every day we live with it. Advertisers mark their products to our to appeal to our sense of pride, our desire to be better than someone else, and even our carnal nature seeks to exalt ourselves above others. A person who drives a Lexus may feel more successful and smugly looks down on the person who drives, and the lesson says a beat up Chevy, but I almost take offense at that. (laughs) I'm glad Brother Ward ain't here right now. (laughs) But we get the point. You know, we just have this, I don't know, I guess it's just, you know, I'm an American. I have the right to be different. I have the right to choose what I want. You know, we just grow up with that mentality. And you just think that if someone's got a $10 car or a $100,000 car, you know, there's a difference. And that's why Matthew 16, 26 If you wanna know what God places on value, that's it. It truly is. As we condemn racial prejudice, but promote competition in other areas of society, if someone doesn't come up to our level of expectation, that person seems to be viewed somehow inferior. And truly, truly, when it comes to unity, everything should be based as how God sees an individual and not how we see the individual. And to, be unified, and to be unified in church and to be unified to how God would see us and to how God would see the church. The Bible says God gave himself for the church. And, and so that's how God sees the church and sees us um, literally. A cultural prejudice can become an obstacle to unity and a hindrance to growth in the kingdom of God. The church is comprised of people from every stratum of economy and background and that is the truth. Yet all belong to the kingdom of God and everyone is welcome. Never ever should we guard or should we hinder someone from coming to church regardless of where they're economic or financial or social or whatever. You know, um, never should that be done. All belong in the kingdom of God. Everyone is Welcome in Christ, we are all members of the same body. Romans twelve five said, so we being many are all one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. Meaning we are all, it's just, um, when you look at, if you go in the doctor's office, if I was here a while back, I had an issue with my hand and the uh, man I had to go to it's got them charts up that shows all the detail of the working of the inside. And when you look at the, if you look at one of the inner workings of all the muscles and the attendings, you know, that's to me, when I think of the body of Christ on the outside, but when you look at the inner workings, it takes everybody. It literally takes everybody because I was going Because of my hand had an issue and he showed me on the inside what the issue was. But when you look at it, it was just, it's just a hand. But when he shows you really and truly what was wrong, it is amazing what's on the inside. And when you take the church and literally there's only a few that stand in this position. But how arrogant It would be for me to think that I'm it. When the inner working, if God would show us the inner working of all the people, of all the people, it says we're all we're all members of one body. And if you just peeled it all back and seen all the members fitly framed together, is how the Bible puts it fitly framed together. For it's not all about me. It's not all about me. And it's not all about, you know, someone else. It's all about the body of Christ and being in unity, in unity to make this work. While there was a great diversity of individuals in the body of Christ, we are all interconnected. And that is the truth. That is the truth. Corinthians 12, 25, that there be no schism in the body, that all the members should have the same care one for another, We understand the value that God has placed upon humanity, that in Christ, that Christ died for everyone, and we must reconcile our prejudice with the truth of God's love for all. His love is universal and all inclusive. For the Bible says, For God so loved the world, not just the ones exactly like us, He so loved the world. And just. You know, James said, but if you have respect of persons, you commit sin and are convicted, convinced of the law of transgressors. The awful truth is that prejudice is sin, and sin will separate us from God. Really and truly it will. But if we take... The correct response to sin is confess and ask God's forgiveness because he will. Why should we live in sin and tolerate that will separate us from God? God don't want us to live under the condemnation of sin. He does not want us to live. His plan of salvation provides a remedy for the weight of rebellion and the relief from sin's bondage. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Not only are we saved from sin, but he has empowered us by his spirit, by his spirit. God is no respecter of persons. Peter made that observation when he addressed a group at Cornelius' house. That's when he said, when he went through the visions, when God repeated it three times with him, when he seen the men coming, they was the Gentiles coming and God said, you go with them, don't you? And God told him, don't you doubt the vision that you just had, but you go with them. That's when, where we just picked up right in the middle. And that's when Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. It's like Peter had to go back and remember Pentecost. And he said, but you know what? The promise is unto you. Like Peter had to learn that again for himself, for I perceive that God has no respecter of persons, that He loves them as much as He loves us. Peter had to declare, "For I perceive that He is no respecter, but when every nation, he that feareth Him and worketh righteousness, is accepted with him. This was truly a new revelation to Peter, because he was a Jew. He thought it was all about the Jews. They was the chosen people. Gentiles was just out of it. They, this was, resulting from this merciful confrontation of Christ, his prayer top that he made on the housetop. And it's just unique how God just, I'm telling you, that that truly amazes me how God works with us. Here he goes up It's lunchtime, as we would say. He's hungry, and what does God open his uh, understanding to? A revelation about food. But he he takes Peter and gives him a revelation concerning the Gentiles. And then he's gonna use him to open this world up to the Gentiles when he's thinking, you know what? Peter literally tells him, You know, I can't even be seen with you. You know, it's unlawful for me to even be in your presence. And then after, I wonder what he thought about that, you know, and a few minutes later when he's preaching to him, And then he goes into Cornelius' house and the Bible says, Cornelius, he was so, you know, about hearing the voice of God. Cornelius went and said, you know what? I got a man coming that y'all gonna need to hear. Cornelius To my knowledge, I don't know if he had even ever met Peter. But God had met with Cornelius and said, send for him. And then Cornelius is getting everyone he can, getting all his relatives. He's inviting and Peter just walks in thinking he's fixing to meet Cornelius, and he walks in to a house full. (laughs) It was a house full. I mean, they're ready for preaching. And Peter thinks he's just gonna go in and just meet this guy and all of a sudden he walks into an audience that is just sitting there. Tell us, tell us, tell us what we need to hear for we know God has sent you to us. And then he says, you know what? I perceive that God is no respecter of persons for he could not doubt what had just happened literally to him and before his eyes, what God had done. God honored his word and filled the first Gentiles with the Holy Ghost, for the Jews was with him. That's why they said, the Jews that was with him said, you know what, these are my words, but if I'm not mistaken, (laughs) they're speaking in tongues. So the next thing for us to do is we need to baptize them. You know, God's give them the Holy Ghost too. But to show partiality, literally, as we know the Bible, as we know God, does one thing, it puts us in opposition to God. For God is no respecter. He does not show partiality. He's bigger. God is bigger than any box that we may create for him. God is God. He loves us. And, and then he, it's just, I was um, watching just a little bit of a program one time and there was um, a girl that had 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 lost her daughter and she and I see stories and just I don't know where I would stand in a situation like this but the the lady's daughter had been um, had been killed and another lady had, had killed it. I, I assume I don't really know this part, but I assume uh it was in a uh traffic accident. But the mother of the girl that was lost said that, you know, she had just lost it. She had just stayed drunk and just high on drugs and just couldn't deal with it. I've just you took my child and I just I just can't deal with this and and said she knew enough about God that said she was at her kitchen one day and said God started talking to her and pressing on her and said, what makes your daughter any more valuable than the daughter of the one that killed her? said, I love her just as much as I loved your daughter. And she said that she'd never, ever put it together like that. And the lady that took the life of my, my daughter is valued to God just as much as my daughter was. And she said, from that day forward, it's when she made up in her mind that she would forgive this lady. And she said, it's a process. It's a process. It just didn't happen overnight, but it is a process that you go through. And, but she said, God helped her with this to understand it, that God truly does not show partiality. He loves everyone, is loved by him and she said it just took her literally going to the bottom to ever realize the love that God has for humanity. And he did that. And the witness of the miracle or the demonstration of the spirit may occur in places where we do not approve or among people we would not condone. But God is God. God. He can move. That's why I've said we see people that's healed and it could be someone that may lay hands on them that might be mean as the devil. But do I believe the person is healed? I would raise my hand and say yes because God honors the faith of the one of the vessel. Should the vessel pay for the sorriness of the individual? I don't think so. God knows the heart of the individual that comes forward that just wants to be touched, wants to be healed. And I believe that's what God honors. God is not honoring the individual that may be out of his will. That's why we can't just think that and I'm very careful here. That's, that's why we cannot condone or, or really, that's why I keep my mouth off of stuff like that. But I think it's God honors the individuals that come forward that want his voice, that want his healing, that want his compassion and mercy. And that's what God honors Now, we can't be pleasing to God if we're unwilling to surrender our cultural traditions and personal preferences to his control. I guess we all have them to a certain extent. But when we try to look at people from a biblical point of view, God just literally loves everyone. I'm not saying we have to be weak, let somebody walk all over us, not by no means. But I'm saying the individual's that God loves and he died for everyone, for all, for all people. He desires for us to be one, to love everyone and our power is dependent upon our ability to lay differences aside and to seek to fulfill the Christ and his prayer and that we may become unified and stay together. Now, there's one last verse I want to read to you the Bible said Simon has declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name blessed is he who won't be offended in me God was doing a lot of works. Don't be offended in his name. Don't be offended in his name because what we know, what we have, the doctrine we believe, it is more precious than anything. Anything that we ever had, the unity that we can have, we can stay together and just believe and just not give in to Time is gonna change, things is gonna change, but our doctrine cannot change. We have got to stay unified in what we believe because it is the truth and it is the truth of God's word. God bless you, I love you, in
0: Jesus' name.